I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, everybody. Welcome back to The DK. H2P podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter, and today I am joined by our special friend and guest, Noah Hiles. Noah's here to help me break down another heartbreaking pit loss here to Boston College at Alumni Stadium. Uh, Noah, this I know I said last week on the podcast that the loss to NC State was as pit uh, as much of a pit loss as you could kind of get, but this one was even more pit lossier than that. Yeah, I, I can't think of th- – this is like Mount Rushmore of pit losses. I think of the, the bowl game that they blew to Houston when yeah. Tyler Boyd fumbled. I think of, uh, obviously, Doran and I talked about it on Memory Lane, the Cincinnati game Cincinnati. where they dropped the extra yep. point. Mm-hmm. Um, but this, this is right up there. And it's just it's – just, you feel for Kessman uh, – he had a good game up to then. I mean, he, he had he, – he literally set a school record, I'm pretty sure, with that field goal, yeah, that 58-yarder. It, it, it was the longest kick, yep. And uh, it's just it's just mind-blowing. I remember I was in the car when he hit the 58-yarder. I was listening on the radio. I was picking up some Chipotle. And uh, just hearing him make it, I was like, holy cow. Like, Pitt actually might pull this out, you know. Um so they they get close and they get into overtime and my girlfriend and I are watching the game and uh she just looks at me and goes watch him miss this and sure (laughs) enough he did and it's just super ironic considering what we talked about on Friday's live show at Mike's Beer Bar and and he brings that up because that's where I was going to next we were just talking about so if you if you don't tune in for our happy hours at Mike Beer Bar's Friday's Fridays at 5 p.m. First of all, what are you doing with your life? Second of all, um, you should, because we talked about this game coming down to uh, an Alex Kessman kick, and uh, it, it did, and then it did again, and uh, the first time it worked out for Pitt, the second time it didn't. Um, and it's just, it's such a heartbreaker, because it, it's, it had such the reminders, the reminding moment of when Pitt beat Clemson in 2016, because Chris blew it in that game, missed mm-hmm. like two kicks, and it was looking bad, and you could see Narduzzi consoling him on the sideline. And I just remember Pitt fans ripping him on social media, being like, how can – like, just get away from this kicker. He stinks. And then, sure enough, they put Wood out there for a 50-some-yard kick, and he nails it, and they beat Clemson in the biggest win in Narduzzi's era. Um, and now this is a situation where it looked like sticking with Kessman worked. And again, this was a game where he missed two field goals prior to that. Now, again, the, the first of the, the you know, one of those field goals was a 55 yarder at the end of the first half and was more of a mm-hmm. desperate shot. But this was another desperate shot. You know, uh, Pickett, who had pl- had fought his heart out through the entire game, took a tough sack on third down that made it fourth and 20. There was no time left to do anything. So instead of trying a Hail Mary pass, Narduzzi went to his kicker 
And, you know, I'm sitting there thinking like, man, this, this, is, a, this is a rough bet as well. I mean, you might have a better chance of getting a defensive pass interference. Um, but he nails it. And, and then they go to overtime. Um, and they get a touchdown to Tazier Mack on finally, you know, what looked like a, a play that was actually drawn up and executed the way that it was drawn up. It comes through for them. And then to lose it in that way to, and to drop to two and two in the ACC, that's just, that's, that's rough. They, they're actually one and two in the ACC. Oh, you're right. Two they're two. one and two. Yeah. What, am I, what am I thinking? Yeah. So no, no, they're two and two. Uh, they beat Syracuse and Louisville. Oh, okay. You're right. You're they're right. three yeah, and two they, overall because, uh, yeah. Yeah. Austin. All right. So, yeah, my bad. Um, but something that stuck with me after watching the game, um, and I don't know if you recognize this or not because you were there, but in t- on, the, on the broadcast, they after the game was over, as the teams cleared the field, Harris Ford just would not leave the field. He was just so blatantly upset. And uh, you feel for a guy like that. Yeah. You feel for a guy like Kenny Pickett who literally put his whole body out on the line. And that, I mean, watching him battle in overtime like that was so impressive. And, you know, you can never blame a loss on one player. Uh, but the position you sign up for when you're, the ki- when you're the kicker, you put yourself in a scenario at times where you can be the arrow that gets pointed to uh, – when when you when you guys lose games and that's the that's what happened here and it's it's tough for him but again that's the job that he has it's 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 go big or go home and he's going home on this one with a, with an L and that's tough uh I know you and I both played football growing up or whatever and I'm sure we I'm sure you I know I was I'm sure you were as well you're part of games like this where I missed kick late in the game and it's a heartbreaker um and it's kind of a backbreaker to their season just to put it lightly. No, no, you're right, because they needed – NC State was one thing, but they needed both of these games because they still have to play North Carolina, who just put on a huge show against Virginia uh, or Virginia Tech. They, they still have to play Clemson. They still have to play Notre Dame. They still Miami. Miami. Like, mm-hmm. that's what I'm saying. They still got to play Virginia Tech. They've got all these serious opponents in front of them, and these were the games. We knew that they weren't gimmies because Pitt hadn't earned the right to call anyone a gimme outside of Austin P. And this, and they, and they lost both of them. And now they're about to go on the road to Miami, who's angry after getting smacked around by Clemson. And that is going to be a tall order to make. And, and, and Noah, I, I think the biggest thing out of this is, you know, coming out of this, like you said, we're talking about the kick because that was just, that was like the culminating point of the game. I'm going to get into more in the second segment about the specifics and things that I saw just, that I think that are are the bigger problem here. But for Pitt fans, it just continues to be hard pill to swallow after hard pill to swallow about just losses that it'd be different if like, hey, you know what? You tried everything. You fought hard. This this was a team that you were never supposed to hang with. And it'd be different if that was what we were talking about. But it's not. The, the defense didn't do enough. This defense was supposed to be the defense that changed everything around, that, 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 commanded, t- that commanded attention and controlled games so that Kenny Pickett would only have to do so much. Kenny Pickett, honestly, might be the most consistent part of the team right now after the mm-hmm. last two losses. And now you're sitting here, again, two and two in the ACC, about to go on the road to Miami, then come back home and face Notre Dame before a bye week. It's uh this just this is a rough situation 
for the for the team to be in, and I feel for Paris Ford, who who skipped on the draft last year to come back and play for this team. Yeah, and, and now he's facing that, and now fans going through the same sort of thing. Yeah, and to build off of what you said, as we wrap it up here, um, it'd be more, it, it'd be less frustrating if Pitt didn't have the talent. Yeah, you know, there it's so often they lose these games. You know, when they got blown out by Clemson in the uh, ACC championship a couple years ago. Yeah. There were no gripes. I mean, that, right. that was just – that was a national champion that they lost to. So, that's what's going to happen. But it's, it's, it's when you lose games to the NC States or to the Youngstown States or just these, these programs that you are better than, Boston yep. Colleges, and then you lose to a guy who grew up literally in your backyard. Yep that not too long ago he would have been a Pitt Panther. Those those big whippy old recruits always used to go to Pitt. And yep. now they don't. And yep. it's it's just tough. It's just tough. I come from a pit, family of Pitt fans, season ticket holders, and uh, the family group chat, not in high spirits in the in the Hiles family group chat. Um, and I'm sure it's it's like that for everyone else that's uh, rocking the blue and gold. Oh, you're absolutely right there. It's uh, it's a tough time. But, hey, we're here on the DKH2P podcast to help us laugh and cry through this pain and get through it. So, Noah, thanks so much for hopping on. You listeners, don't go away. We're going to do a quick break. When I come back, I'm going to give more of my specific analysis on why this loss happened and what we should be looking at for this team moving forward and this program moving forward. All that right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as uh, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. All right, we're back here on the DKH2P podcast. I'm your host, Chris Carter. Uh, just got done talking with Noah. Thought I'd get his insight on it because we talked about this game a lot. And, the, again, the Mike's Beer Bar Happy Hour show um, on uh, Fridays on our, on our Facebook Live uh, for DKPittsburghSports.com. So we, we, I wanted to just talk about just the, the impact of the way that the, the Pitt lost. But let's talk about the X's and O's, the execution. And let's talk about where we really got to look for answers because that's where all pit fans are looking for right now. Right. It's easy to simply point and cry or laugh or say this, it's this guy's fault. It's that guy's fault. And to look at the big moments and the letdowns that that's the easy part. The hard part is going and looking for, okay, what are some of the solutions now? Unfortunately, um, this is, uh, you know, I, I said before this year even started, there's a huge asterisk on this year because of all the troubles that just come with COVID-19. As much as anyone tries to minimize it, this team lost its best player before the season even started. I'm not, I'm not making excuses for Narduzzi. I'm coming, I'm coming there. But I'm just, I'm laying out, like, I understand what teams are going through right now. I understand that these are some serious challenges that it makes everything 
so hard it's so you know much harder to deal with but this was supposed to be even without Jalen Twyman this defense is not supposed to give up the plays it's giving up and so you have to ask yourself are they are these big plays that they're giving up happening because of the players on the field because of the coaches because normally people want to point in different directions and they, and they want to say, it's the players, it's the coaches. We hear that a lot, especially with the Steelers every week. It's always Mike Tomlin's fault, or this guy's fault, or that guy's fault. I have a more holistic approach to this. You look at how Boston College scored its touchdowns. They win this game 31-30. to Four touchdowns. In these games, in, in this game, they came out. The first touchdown, Jerkovic, 44 yards to Zay Flowers. Jerkovic's got a QB sneak on another one. He accounts for four touchdowns on the day, but his next touchdown, right at the start of the second half, 77 yards, touchdown to Jay Flowers. Then in overtime, Pitt looks like they've fought back. They had 10 unanswered points to tie, to tie the game up and send it to overtime. 25-yard pass, you guessed it. Sturkovich to Jay Flowers, touchdown. Each of those times, Jason Pinnock, Pitt's top corner, was on Flowers. And Pinnock had a rough, rough day. Now, this is not me saying that Pinnock stinks. Because a lot of people are like, man, he stinks. He got beat. And some people want to say, oh, well, you know, maybe they were supposed to be safety over top helping. I'm telling you right now, I don't think there was. Narduzzi even said afterward, it's not about it's not about the safety. You know, he he said straight up, and I wrote this in my my post game article. Narduzzi said straight up, it's not about uh, missed assignments. There, he said we're just getting beat. And when you say you're just getting beat, that's not he's not throwing his player under the bus. He's just saying he's right. They got beat, and you look at why Pinnock was getting beat in those situations. And it's no different than what happened last week with NC State. I mean, Pitt's design, the design of Pitt's defense sells out most of its players to stop the run and rush the quarterback. And it puts its cornerbacks on islands to say, hey, go and win this, this, this matchup. Make it tough on these receivers. If they make a play on you, they have to make a great play. The problem is Pitt doesn't have those guys. And I'm not sure if they're getting them. Even with Damari Mathis not being here this year, he got injured before the season and he's out for the year. He probably will come back next year. Pinnock it was isn't is it the guy that's supposed to be? He's not Darrell Revis. He's a guy who's going to play really solidly at the cornerback position. Give him some safety help. Let him be aggressive. Let him use his size. He's a bigger bodied cornerback that goes up, and he's not one that he's going to let you. That you're going to he's going to let you push him around as much. But when you put him against an athletic wide receiver like Zay Flowers, some of those moves that Zay Flowers was putting on him, they, it wasn't just average stuff. Zay Flowers was playing above the bar. But the problem is when you put yourself continuously in those one-on-one situations, 
And, and I, I went back and I looked at the film. Each of those times, he's in man coverage. His one job is to follow, is to stop Zay Flowers. Now, Darduzzi said this on Thursday before the game. He said part of the reason that they've been giving up those big touchdowns, especially against the NC State, is because they were losing at the line of scrimmage. What that means is as a cornerback, your job, especially in man coverage, is to knock off the timing of the wide receiver. Even if you may not be in the best position by the end of the route on the pass, your job is to make it so that they had a, such a hard time getting off the ball that the timing of that route between the receiver and the quarterback is knocked off so that when the quarterback does try to throw the ball, his feel for wherever the receiver is supposed to be is all over the place because he's not where he's he's like five or ten yards short of where he thought he would be. And that gives, again, while the quarterback's waiting for that, the pressure's getting more chances to hit home. That's what they're banking on there. On Pitt. That's what Pitt is banking on its cornerbacks to do. And it's reasonable to, to, to plan around that occasionally. But it's a consistent part of the game, of their game. And it's, it's not working. And teams are going to continue to recognize it and pick at it until Pitt stops doing it. So again, I, 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 you know, it comes back to the question, well, whose fault is this? Because if the safety wasn't supposed to be there, that means Pinnock just has to know to do this better. And you know what? Yeah, Pinnock, you know, when you're playing man coverage, your job is line up with, on, the, on your man's inside shoulder. You do not give up inside leverage. Rule number one, if the receiver is going to run a route, it is going to be outside of you. Meaning that, so say like in, you know, helping, trying to help you guys picture this. If, uh, you know, picture the wide receiver, you're, you're, you're standing on, you're covering a guy and the quarterback is, um, is to, is to your right and the, and you're lined up out wide with the wide receiver. Your job is to line up on the, on the receiver's inside shoulder and on the snap of the ball, if the quarterback's to your right, that receiver does not get inside of your right shoulder. You, your job is to turn him to the sideline and make sure that your body is in position to be between the um, uh, to be in between the quarterback and the receiver. So if the ball's gonna get there, it's gotta go through you or over you or around you or what have you. But it cannot. You cannot allow them to cross your face. And what we saw on the seventy-seven yard touchdown. 25-yard touchdown was Zay Flowers getting across Jason Pinnock's face. Now, there are times when that's acceptable in man coverage. And what are those times? When you have safety help behind you. Playing deep, taking away, taking away, the, taking, you know, taking away that option. And sometimes that's part of the trick. That you line up, you line up looking like you're trying to take away inside cover, inside leverage. And then you let the receiver win that spot. And then the quarterback and receiver say, aha, we got something here. But the whole plan was you have a safety in robber zone, which a robber is usually a, a person that's you know kind of just patrolling the middle of the field. And then the, the quarterback gets a little too trigger happy, throws the ball. The receiver thinks he's open. The robber safety comes in, jumps the play, gets the interception, and then you, you fooled them. But Pitt doesn't do enough of that. And they don't do enough of having the safeties back to help in, in these situations. Heck, Narduzzi said before the game, they knew 
that Zay Flowers was going to be a problem. They, they respected what he was able to do. They knew that Phil Jerkovich was going to be a problem, the guy out of Pine Richland. And yet and still, they, they, these were the guys that beat them. That's the problem that I had there. And it would be different again if Narduzzi just got here. But he's been here since, what, 2015? That's tough. Anyone that, that watched Narduzzi's defense at Michigan State knew that his system required the supreme kind of cornerbacks to be dogs in the secondary, to, to challenge people at all times, to push to push receivers around, to fight them at, at, the, at the point of attack so that you can leave them on islands and do that. Now, I get trying to implement the system, but it's obvious you don't got those dogs right now. And Jason Pinnock is a heck of a fighter. I like his I like his attitude. He gets in there. He battles. He doesn't just take no for an answer. If he loses, he loses. But he always gets up and he's always out there trying to battle the next one. You know, I've seen a lot of cornerbacks, when they get beat the first time, they stop trying to go for the jams. They stop trying to get physical. They just they say, okay, let me be more passive so I don't give up the big play. Pinnock doesn't do that. He goes back in there and he says, hey, you know what? I gave that up, but I'm going to try again because my team needs me to do this job. That's a warrior. That's a battler. And that's someone that you should be able to appreciate as a fan to say, hey, you know what? He goes out and he does that. But where a coach has to come in and where the scheme has to come in and the and the, the staff has to come in is to say, look, we're continuing to put all this weight on this guy's shoulders and he's not that guy. I get that the defense works great at stopping the run, works great at getting after the passer. They got five sacks in this game. But what is that worth if you're giving up three touchdown passes of over 20 yards? Two of those over 40 yards. You know, the Steelers, with the way that they pass, they rush the passer. You can trust, you know, uh, Keith Butler. Back when they didn't have the front four, he would bring the extra blitzers. And that was the risk that they took. But they also mixed it up a bunch. Pitt, I don't think, does enough of the mixing up there. And now, um, now it's the Steelers are in a situation where they have the front four that they don't need to, to bring all the extra rushers. They do sometimes to trick you, but they trust that T.J. Watt, Bud Dupree, Stephon Tewitt, and Cam Hayward are going to win their matchups. Now for Pitt, you got Patrick Jones and Rashad Weaver. Those are some bad dudes. They're some bad dudes at edge rusher. Now, inside, you're still looking for some answers. Kalaja Kansi has been good at times. He's also been suspect at times. He's a freshman. That's going to happen. Devin Danielson, Tyler Bentley. These are all guys that are growing. They're redshirt sophomores. We get that. But you got at some point, you've got to trust that your front four is going to win for you and back up your cornerbacks. Because it seems like every time... They're giving all the support to that defensive front to make to, to make things happen. And not and that's the defensive front is the strongest part of the defense. And they're leaving the secondary out to dry. They're saying, hey, secondary, you go do this by yourself. We're gonna support these guys up front. That to me is the mistake. Patrick Jones and Rashad Weaver, you know that they're gonna crush. You also know that you got Phil Campbell, you got Cam Bright, who was back in, but also then back out. I don't know what that was about. But he was in there. Cam Bright's played very well. And Sarasi Dennis, he played extremely well. And you still got 
uh, Chase Pine, who he's, he's doing okay. Uh, you know, he's doing what he can. I think the team really does miss Wendell Davis at inside linebacker, Mike linebacker there. But those guys can handle themselves, so let them handle themselves. Let Paris Ford and DeMar Hamlin help out the cornerbacks. I think that's the biggest answer that Pitt got. And the problem that I continue to see is that Pitt, I understand not giving up on your identity. I understand going out there and saying, hey, we can't stop being the best team that we can be and playing to our strengths. But you're, I think that they, they can play to their strengths in a much smarter way. And that involves, especially in the defense, letting the pass rush get after the quarterback. And hey, eventually, Rashad Weaver said this after the game. He said, you know what? In the first half, we were trying more, uh, more finesse moves. We were trying different approaches. We realized they weren't working. We switched to power rush moves, and that's what helped them win. And he's right. You know they they were able to start bullying people bullying the the you know the Eagles the Boston College teams uh, um offensive line once they got more physical and they weren't trying to be as passive in their pass rush and 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 that's a that's a natural adjustment piece but again they were able to do that on their own I just think that the, that the biggest answer for Pitt right now is switching things up and we have seen for years Narduzzi's reluctance to do so. Because he believes in fighting the way that he designs his team to fight. Pitt needs to be more malleable moving forward. And now, after two games that they had, that I mean, and again, these were games right in their grasp. If they had found a way to pull these out, to pull these games off, we're talking about Pitt being five and zero, four and zero in the conference, going up, going to Miami, and maybe being able to show the whole world that maybe they're for real this year. But now we're sitting here, Pitt's 3-2, and 2-2 two, two and two in the ACC. And everybody who wants to laugh at the program says, see, I told you so. And now they've got to go to Miami. And the, and the mindset for from people looking on the outside in is they got to do whatever they can to make this not a laugher. Because Miami is really talented this year. And maybe they'll be the most talented team that Pitt has faced this year. I don't think it's even a maybe. I think that they, they will be the most talented team Pitt has faced yet this year. And what's crazy is there's going to be even more talented teams that come up on this on their on their schedule. So we got to keep an eye out. I'm going to be writing about this all week. What happens with Pitt? What happens with um you know how how they how they approach this loss. You know, last week we heard the coaches say this was the most mature acceptance of a loss that we that they've seen. You know, the guys taking it seriously. Well, it's it's great to say that, but there's got to be answers that come from it. So we'll keep looking for answers. Pit fans, hang in there. I know it's tough. Get out there and watch watch a Steelers game if you're a Steelers fan. Most most Pit fans that I know are. But hang in there. We'll be back here next weekend. Who knows? Maybe we'll be back. We'll be talking about a crazy upset that will lift up everyone's spirits. Until then, I'm Chris Carter. Thanks for listening.